On January the 8th, 1956, Jim Elliott and four other American missionaries to Ecuador were brutally speared to death by a savage tribe of unreached people known as the Alcas. And the amazing truth is that two years later, his wife and a sister walked back into the jungle to not just go and live with these, mission, with these people who had killed a husband, but also to take them God's word. And today, the Wawadani, as they're now called, are a changed people. One of the original killers, the man who actually killed her husband, named Minkaya, said the following words. Listen to these words. We knew that God was there. We knew. But we did not know how to walk in his trail. God's son dripped his blood to mark the trail for us to walk on. We now know God by his carvings. His carvings. We are now of God's tribe. And the question that immediately came to my mind is, what enabled those missionary wives to turn their tragedy into victory? How did they find joy through those tears that they must have experienced? The Christian faith is not, as we've been accused of being, a religion of pie in the sky by and by. And people say that of us. You're just an irrelevant religion. But the Christian faith carries with it a present reality, a present dynamic that can turn suffering into glory today. The focus of our faith is not on abstract knowledge like so many other religions out there, but on a person, the living person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we can have hope and faith. So turn with me, if you would, to the book of First Peter, chapter 1, as we look at verses 8 and 9 this morning. 1 Peter 1, verses 8 and 9. We're going to be reading from verse 3 again, just so that we've got that context. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. God's word to us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not see Him now, but believe in Him, you greatly rejoice with joy 
inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. As we look at this passage this morning, we see that the Apostle Peter has given us four directives for enjoying Christ-given joy. Let's go and look at those today. They're in our text, verse 8. He says to us firstly that we are to love Christ, verse 8. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Now this love is a little different to the love that you might find with teenagers, alright? Out of sight, out of mind, love. I've seen it. I've taught at schools. Now they love someone, next day they don't. Then they love them again, then they don't. That love is based on sight. But is that what real love between human beings is like? When we're in a, in a relationship with someone, is that what love is? When that person walks out the room, does that mean I don't love them anymore? And I only love them again when I see them? No, it's based on something unseen. It's based on a relationship. That verb, love, that's used here, is, speaks about a continual and a regular activity. It speaks about a living relationship with the ascended Christ. Think about that. We have a relationship with the ascended and living Christ. We are now spiritually one with Him. Have you ever mulled on those words? We are one with Christ. What did Christ Himself say? He said, You are in Me, and I am in You. We are to love Him. Why? Because He first loved us. We've been looking at those verses, verses 3 to 5. You can look back in your text there. What has Christ done for us? He chose us way back in eternity. I've repeated this over and over. He established a relationship with us when there was no relationship at all. And then He turned that into reality. He brought us from darkness to light. He made us His own. He made us heirs and co-heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. And He will take us through into eternity. That's what He has done for us. We are to love Him. Romans 5 verse 5 says this. It says, For the Holy Spirit has poured out God's love into our hearts. He's poured out His love into our hearts. He's planted His love inside of us. The Holy Spirit has done that. We are to love Him. Yes, we love Him imperfectly. God wants us to love Christ. What does that look like in reality? That means that with time, my conversations, my schedules, my ambitions will progressively start to reflect His love in my life. Loving Christ will become the highest priority in my life. That's what it means to love Christ. It means we are to have a daily relationship with Him. Just think of your human relationships. Do you spend time with those you love? That's how human relationships work. If you don't spend time with someone, watch out. There will be trouble. There will be trouble. We need to spend time with each other as human beings. Well, that relationship doesn't change with the Lord Jesus Christ. How much time do you spend with Him every day? If the relationship 
that you have with Christ, if that was measured by the time spent with Him, what would that look like? Do you spend time in prayer? Do you and I spend time in His words, studying His words to us? Do we spend time thinking about it, meditating on it? If we want a relationship with Him, we need to spend time with Him. It's God's word to us this morning. This love speaks about a faith relationship. Again, teenage love. Sorry, teenagers. You don't... I've seen teenagers where they just love someone because they love them. It's kind of this year, year nine girl thing, all right? They just love them because they've seen them once and they love them. Well, that's not how we love someone in the true sense of the word, having a relationship. We love them based on what we know about them. And the same is true here in our love for Christ. We haven't seen Christ, have we? Has anyone here seen Christ? The Apostle Peter did. He tells about it. But no one of us has seen Christ with our physical eyes. That means we've got to love Him based on what God's Word tells us about Him. So that means we've got to spend time in His Word once again. Do you know what the Bible says about Christ and His love for you? If not, here's the danger. If not, what are we going to fall back on when we go through hard times and trials? What are we going to fall back on? When our feelings tell us completely different stories? Are we going to put our mind on what we know about Christ in His Word? If we don't know His Word, what are we going to fall back on? We've got to know the truth about Him. This is a challenge on my heart, as I know it must be on your heart. Because I know we do not spend enough time in God's Word. Because life carries on out there. We've got things to do, we've got places to go. We've got businesses to run. Do you spend time in God's Word? Do you love Jesus Christ? You see, it's a love of the mind, of the will, and the heart. It's not a love of sight. It will be sight one day. Our text says, though you do not see Him now, and that implies that you will see Him again one day, and yes, we are looking forward to that day, but in the meantime, we are to love Christ with a love that has been planted in us by His Spirit, based on what we know about Him from what we read in His Word and because of the daily living relationship we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is loving Christ. Are you in the middle of a hard time in your life? The Bible says to you this morning, love Christ in your relationship with Him. Love Him. Secondly, our text says, verse 8, Believe in Him. Believe in Him. The original word order had it like this. It says, Not seeing, but believing into Him. You rejoice in Him. We are to believe into Christ. What does that mean? That means our belief is to be based in Him. Not in our feelings, not in what we know about Him, but in Him. Do we really believe in our heart of hearts what we say we believe? We were singing a lot of songs this morning with beautiful words there. But did we actually believe in our hearts what those words were saying? Or were we going through the motions of singing them? We know them, but do we believe them in our hearts? I've said this often. Has our head theology become heart theology? Are you convinced in your heart 
that for instance, as we read earlier this morning, that Christ is the Creator, that for by Him all things were created, Colossians 1.16 said, thrones, powers, rulers, all the colors of the spectrum on this earth, every planet and star, every speck of dust in the most forgotten backwash of the universe. Do you believe that that dust is in Him, that He created it? And that He did it all from nothing? Just from saying a word? Do you believe that in your heart? Or is it just something that your head knows? Do you believe that Christ is a sustainer? That He alone carries us through this life? Our text said in Colossians that He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. That means Christ literally continues presently to hold all things together. And thus, if He took His presence away from things, everything would stop and disintegrate, physically and spiritually. Do you believe that? Or are they just words on a page that we've read? Do you believe that Christ is the goal of all things? That all things were created for Him, as we read earlier this morning? They were created for Him, literally towards Him? All things, all creation is moving towards its goal in Him. Everything began in Christ and everything will end in Christ when He comes again. He is the starting point and the end of creation. Do you believe that? Do you believe that in your conversations with other people? When they bring up and say, you Christian, you really believe that stuff? Do you believe it in your heart? Or is it just words? If we truly believe this, listen to me. If you truly, truly believe these things about the Lord Jesus Christ, that everything is from Him and to Him, then you will have a faith that will see you through the most difficult times of trial and will give birth to even greater faith in you. Why is that? Because when you are going through uh, those times of trial, right in the midst of fire, you do not have to depend on anything outside of you except to be in Christ. He is unchangeable. That's why we can depend on Him. doesn't matter what happens to us. We are in Him. But we need to believe that in our hearts. The trouble is, and I know myself, we like to see for ourselves, don't we, before we believe anything. Thomas the doubter wanted to see for himself the hands, the marks in Jesus' hands and His feet. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. And that's talking about us today. We haven't seen Christ, but are we believing in Him? Because if we are, Jesus says we are blessed. You see, Christ is calling us here in this passage this morning to live by faith and not by sight. Faith means obeying God because He is God and because He has said it in His Word. I believe it. Faith means obeying God's Word in spite of my circumstances and despite the consequences of believing Him today. And the result of that, if we've got faith and love in Christ, we will have hope. In those times of trial, we will have hope because we are we have put all our hope in Him. That will give us confidence. Though you have not seen Him, believe Him, says our text. 
the hymn writer said it, said it like this. Listen to this. So accurately describes this. Jesus, these eyes have never seen that radiant form of thine. The veil of sense hangs dark between thy blessed face and mine. I see thee not, I hear thee not, yet art thou oft with me. And earth hath ne'er so dear a spot as where I meet with thee. Yet, though I have not seen and still must rest in faith alone, I love thee, dearest Lord, and will unseen but not unknown. When death these mortal eyes shall seal, and still the throbbing heart, the rending veil shall thee reveal, all glorious as thou art. That is our hope. Do you believe that in your heart? How can we grow even during times of trial? The same way we grow outside of those trials, by reading God's Word, believing it, applying it in our lives and then seeing how the Spirit changes us. And then having a daily relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Thirdly, our text says here, we're not just to love and believe in Christ, but we are thirdly to rejoice in Christ. The original text says, in whom now, not seeing but believing, you greatly rejoice. We are to believe Christ and rejoice greatly in Him. When we contemplate, when we think about Christ and what He's done for us, we are to rejoice in Him. He is to be the object and the subject of our rejoicing. Are you in the midst of a hard time in life? Start thinking and start rejoicing in Christ and start saying that aloud. Think about and to Christ and you won't even notice that you're in a hard time anymore because He will absorb all your thoughts. What has Christ done for us? First Peter 2.24 says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree. He didn't send anyone else. Christ came Himself to do that. So that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. So what did Christ do? He brought us salvation. He bought it with His own blood. Salvation is a personal experience to you and I. It's an experience of God's mercy and love. What do I mean by that? Well, when you and I were still in our sin, when you and I were still without Him, when we ignored Him, when we neglected Him, when we disobeyed Him, when we still cursed Him with these mouths of ours, when we rejected Him, when we disbelieved Him, when we rebelled against Him and transgressed every law that He has, when we sinned against Him and failed to love Him, then Christ loved us. And that's all of us before we were saved. There was none of us that did something good which Christ noticed and said, well, I must save that person. No. We were all dead in our sin. And Christ saved us. You see, it's by the mercy of God that this is all demonstrated to us. It's the mercy of God. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the good news this morning, there is a way for the seed of corruption which was in us to be removed out of our bodies and to be replaced with this spiritual seed, the spiritual seed of incorruptibility. It cannot die. And we will be delivered from eternal death and to live forever. That is the good news of 
Christ coming again. And as we center our hearts and our minds on Jesus during times of trial, and as we center on His love poured out on us, we will not be able to do anything else but rejoice, even during times of trial. It's looking at Him, casting our eyes up to Him, and that will cause us to rejoice. We will be filled with a joy which is unspeakable and full of glory. In other words, words will fail us, you and I. We won't be able to describe this joy that is inside of us. It will just come out of us because the Spirit has put it inside of us and we are responding to Christ. We will have joy because we have hope. We have hope in the salvation of our souls. Spurgeon said it as only Spurgeon could. Listen to this. Little faith will take your soul to heaven. It will. You'll be saved. But great faith will bring heaven to your soul. You get that? Man, thank you Lord for Spurgeon. Little faith will take your soul to heaven. You will be saved. But great faith will bring heaven to your soul. So rejoice in Christ. Let heaven come to your soul. And be strengthened during those hard times. And then fourthly, this morning, we are to receive from Christ. As we love Christ, as we believe in Him, as we rejoice in Christ, there's more. We receive from Christ as well. What do we receive? Let's see what our text says. Verse 8. Rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. And as we do so, we obtain the outcome of our faith, the salvation of our souls. You see, believing and then receiving from Christ... That's God's way of meeting our needs. We first need to believe and then we receive from Him. That's the way it worked in our salvation, isn't it? He did the work in us, we believed, and then we received eternal life. And now, when we believe these promises of God to us, we receive from Christ too. What do we receive from Christ? As believers, we can rejoice because we are receiving continuous tense. We are receiving continuous tense what was promised to us, namely salvation, or the goal, or the outcome, or culmination, or the end of our faith, says our text. You see, for those who believe in Christ, salvation has a past tense, we were saved from our sin. Salvation has a present tense, through faith we are shielded now by God's grace, and by His mercy, and, and salvation has a future aspect too. Verse 4 says, it is our inheritance. And verse 9 says, it is the goal of our faith. There's past, present and future when it comes to salvation. Matthew Henry, another great man of God, said it like this, so accurately. Listen, salvation is one permanent thing. Begun before this life. Active in this life. Not interrupted by death. And continued to all eternity. That's what we take our strength from. You know, I've seen that in action. I've been at the bedside of a man who passed away. I was with Peter Somerville in a hospital in Auckland. This man was a beautiful Christian. We read God's word to him and he said, I love Jesus. And then he closed his eyes and he breathed his last, literally. And I have never been afraid of death again. Because if that is dying, I'm not afraid of that. Our salvation is not interrupted by death. It just carries on into the future. 
Rich, are you going through hard times? Is Don McKenzie going through a hard time? Love Christ. Based on what the Spirit has revealed to him, to us, in his word. Based on that living relationship that you have with him daily. Love Christ. Believe Christ. Believe the promises in his word to you. Believe them. Believe what you believe. I, I have to say that again. Believe what you believe. We hear all this stuff. We know it, but do we believe it? Because those waves of trouble are going to come against us. And yes, they are going to be massive and they are going to be real. Trouble is not just in our heads. It is out there and it does come upon us. And yes, they are massive, but the Almighty God has made us promises. And we need to believe those. Is God not greater than all your troubles? Is He not mightier than anything that can come against you and I? Anything? He is the all-powerful God. We are to believe in Christ. We are to rejoice in Him as we submit ourselves in faith to Christ, as we center our hearts and our minds on Christ during times of trial. He fills us with inexpressible joy, a joy that will not be able to be described with human words. That is God's word to us today. It will be a heavenly joy, a taste of the joy that will come to us again one day when Christ reappears. We will taste that rejoicing again. But we can taste some of it now, says Scripture today. And then as we do so, we receive from Christ this joy that fills us. Christ gives us hope, even when it looks hopeless around us. And as the Holy Spirit works inside of us, He lifts those eyes of us which are cast down, and those eyes of us which are looking at our troubles, He lifts them up, and we look to Jesus. We look to Jesus and what He's done for us. John chapter 15 says it like this, as Jesus assured the apostles, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. My joy will be in you and your joy will be made full. That is heavenly joy from Christ. Another great hymn writer said it like this. Great is the gospel of our glorious God. Listen to these words. Where mercy met the anger of God's rod. A penalty was paid and pardon bought. And sinners lost at last to him were brought. That was you and I. Oh, let the praises of my heart be thine, for Christ has died, that I may call him mine, that I may sing with those who dwell above, not with those below, below here, that I may sing with those who dwell above, adoring, praising Jesus, King of love. Great is the mystery of godliness. Great is the work of God's own holiness inside of us. It moves my soul and causes me to long for greater joys than to the earth belong. Is that true in your life? Are you being overcome by what is happening to you and around you? How could Elizabeth Elliot go back to the jungle when the very people she was going to had brought her so much grief and pain? How could she go back? She had a little child. She took that child with her into that jungle. 
with that sister. She could do it because she loved Christ. She loved Christ. You are first, Lord. She loved Christ. She had a living relationship with Him. And even though she could not see Him with her physical eyes, she knew Him. And when you read her diaries, she knew the Lord. She had a daily relationship with Him. And she believed in Him. She was, her faith was into Christ. The Christ-given joy that she was filled with compelled her to go to those people. We sang that line this morning. Our love compels us to reach out to those around us. The love of Christ that He puts in us compels us to reach out and to tell others. She was compelled to share her faith with her husband's murderers. Her physical safety was of no account. Why? Because the salvation of her soul was a surety in Christ. Do you see that? Our text says that this morning. Her own husband's blood marked the trail for those Indians to know about the Lord Jesus Christ too. The carving she brought to them, God's word that she brought to them, was the word which brought them life. But it cost her husband's blood. And yet she loved them and went back. Christ can do the same for you. He can do the same for me. He'll do the same for Don in hospital. He will turn our anxiety and fears into a joy inexpressible that will overcome whatever is happening to us. We need to love Him, believe in Him, rejoice in Him, and to receive from Him then we will be blessed. I pray this morning that this word that we've heard won't just go into our ears and out. It won't just last half an hour after you've walked out here, but that it will become part of you. And I hope that you've been challenged this morning that if you haven't been spending that time with Him, if you haven't been spending that time with the Lord Jesus Christ, that daily time with Him, then re-examine your relationship with Him because your relationship is probably very weak. You need to spend time with the Lord. You need to spend time in His Word. You need to spend time meditating on His Word. You need to spend time with Him so that He can fill you with His joy. Let's come before our Lord. Lord, our Heavenly Father, we have to be so quickly we have to be so quick to confess that our relationships with you, Lord Jesus, aren't what they should be. That if those were, were translated into human relationships, we'd be in deep trouble. But Lord, thank you that you are merciful. Thank you that you are gracious. Thank you that you are long-suffering. And that even, even when we are weak, you remain strong. And Lord, we come to you this morning and we ask for forgiveness because we haven't spent time as we should have with you this week. And even this coming week, Lord, I know we will not spend time with you as we should spend time with you. Lord, forgive us. Draw us closer to you, Lord, as only you can. And Lord, if it is through trials that you are taking us to teach us these truths, Lord, may we learn these truths quickly. May you make us to be gold 
before you. Gold that can be used mightily by you. And as with Elizabeth, Lord, may that truth be in us to such an extent that it's such a reality in us that we can't help but open our mouths and speak to others around us about you. Compel us by your love to open our mouths, we pray. To you be all the glory as we live our lives this week. We ask this in your precious name, but because we know that you sustain us every day. Amen.